Welcome to The Other Side of Wall Street with your host, Ron Harrison. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to The Other Side of Wall Street. My name is Ron Harrison. I'll be your host again for today. And I believe uh, this will be our seventh episode. And if you've been following along, you'll know that we have been uh, talking pretty much predominantly about your trading emotions, your fear, your greed, and your ego and the devastating effects that they can have on your trading and more specifically your trading results. So I don't want to run the risk of uh, totally boring you guys to death on one topic for too long. Uh, I know that in our classes that we teach, even though I feel that the trading psychology is uh, probably the most important of uh, all the topics uh, because it's the least understood and has the greatest effect on uh, negative effect on your trading. But I also know that during the classes, uh, people tend to uh, get bored while we're talking about it because typically all they want to learn about is the meat and potatoes of trading, how to place trades, so on and so forth, what to trade, how to do it. So I think at this point, we're going to switch off of the emotions, uh, fear, greed, and ego topics and move on to something uh, more in the lines of, of actually learning how to trade. Now, if you remember in the beginning, I promised you that uh, we would cover every topic and this would be aimed from beginning to advanced students. So uh, today what I'd like to do is start sticking my toe or your toe uh, or delving into uh, options themselves. And before I start that, what I would like to do is back up a bit and give you a, a recap or uh, go back and revisit what we talked about in the very first episode, which was my uh, history. And uh, if you remember back episode one, I told you that uh, I had been, have been trading now for probably almost 30 years. And I started actually by moving to New York. Uh, got a job as a broker, uh, worked my way up through several uh, different brokerage houses, uh, starting out with penny stocks, moving up to uh, blue chip stocks, uh, and so on. But all that while, actually, as a broker, uh, on the phone, calling people I didn't know, trying to sell them things they didn't want. Uh, believe me, it was one of the worst jobs in the world. But uh, that's what I did for several years through several different firms, uh, always trying to get a better opportunity, learn something new. So the easiest way to do that many times was move from firm to firm. Uh, last firm that I was at was a IPO uh, specializing firm. That's all they did was IPOs. And uh, that was where I finally gave, gave it up, threw in the towel when I was told that I could not turn in sell orders from my clients. And that was because they were manipulating the stock. So anyway, uh, that was the kind of stuff that was going on back then. It was it was really bad. So anyway, uh, quit that job as a broker, last broker's job I had. But uh, I always knew, as I told you again back in episode one, I always knew that in each firm that I was at, they had a, a, a separate department that traded the firm's money, not client money, but the, the own firm's money. And they there was a, a usually a room full of traders, not that many, four, five, six, something like that. And they were they were they would spend all day just trading for the house, and I kind of always knew that that was where the money was, and that was what I really wanted to learn how to do and learn and learn to be. So after I quit that last IPO firm that I was at, uh, 
I had a friend that I I actually made at the very first firm I was at, and he would and he was a trader there for the for the house, and uh, so I, I got a hold of him. He was at the time working at a firm out on in, in Great Neck, which is on Long Island, and uh, he managed to get me an interview, and I somehow or the other faked my way through it and, and got hired. And uh, so there I was trading, but uh, that trading was a little different. It wasn't still quite where I wanted to be, but in that situation, what you would do is you would put up a certain amount of your own money, and then they would give you a much larger chunk of their own money to go with that so that you could actually trade and make some substantial trades. And of course, the money that you put up of your own was to cover any losses. So any losses came out of the money you put up. Any gains, any profits you made, uh, you shared. I think it was like 80-20 or something like that. The firm would keep 20, you would get 80% of it. So you got, a, you got a good portion of the profits, but you had to be responsible for 100% of the losses. So anyway, it got me started. I learned some things, but that was still, that was still day trading, uh, buying and selling chunks of, of stock hoping for a small move you know a few pennies here this way or the, uh, up or down if you're long or you're short uh, and but that would add up and, and you could make a decent living doing that but that still wasn't what I was after because day trading uh, as uh, I hope anybody will tell you is, is a difficult and a hard way to make a living and in many cases an impossible way to make a living if you're not very good at it so um, did that for a while left there uh, went to uh, interview with some of the bigger firms, finally got hired uh, at Bear Stearns. And the place, uh, the department they hired me for there was their options department. So when you go to a big firm like that, um, this is, you know, they, these are, the, are the, the, the large, large firms like Bear Stearns and Morgan Stanley and all those guys. When you go to work for one of those firms, they put you through a pretty intensive training seminar course uh, because if you're going to be trading their money, they want to make sure you're doing exactly what they want you to do and uh, nothing else. So in that class was the, um, I would say that, and hopefully this could be the case for you and your trading, uh, you can do a lot of things. You read a lot of books, take a lot of courses, do a lot of research, and hopefully somewhere along that journey, you're going to come to this aha moment to where all of a sudden the light bulbs go off uh, and everything becomes much clearer than what it had been in the past as you were struggling to learn and find your direction and find your 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 trading method that, that you really wanted to stick with. And when I went there and took that class, that was, that was when the light bulb went off. That was when the aha moment occurred. And what I had learned in that class very quickly was that wow, what they do with their own money is really 180 degrees opposite of what they tell, of what the brokers tell the clients to do with the client money. And I thought, I, it was like, wow, it, 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 it's amazing. It, it, was, it was, like I say, it, it was just the biggest light bulb going off you can imagine. And that really opened my eyes to why it's so difficult for the retail public to make money in the stock market, at least for those people that, that are being guided by the firms and by the brokers. 
and being told what to do and, and being actually, in many cases, just controlled, you know, where the brokers, your money managers, I should say, make all the trades for you. So once I saw the difference between the two, I realized, okay, this is it. This, this is the thing I had been looking for. And that is what I want to get into now, what I learned there, which is actually the same thing that we teach. And think of it this way. As you know, as I said before, if you go into a Las Vegas casino and think that you're going to, well, let me say it a different way. How many of you think that you can make a living gambling in Vegas? Now, of course, maybe that might be a small handful that's that's good at cards or something like that, that that think they can do it, and I'm sure some do. Uh, you see those guys on TV. But uh, in general, how many of you people think you can go to Vegas, quit your job, go to Vegas, and make a living playing slot machines, you know, sitting at the tables and so on? And hopefully the answer is pretty much none of you. I hope you realize that. But at the same time, think about this. Where does all that money go? If all the people walking through the doors in the casinos are losing their money uh, and they stay till they run out of money, then they leave, where does that money go? Well, we all know where it goes. It goes to the casino or it goes to the house. So what you have is a very extremely tilted, lopsided, one-sided business model. The gamblers tend to lose what they what they bring in with them and the casinos tend to make whatever the gamblers bring in with them so it's a pretty much a, a one one way directional flow of money from the gambler to the house and look at it another way another different scenario how many of you think that you could make a living buying lottery tickets now granted every now and then you know somebody wins but by and large most people that buy lottery tickets are just giving up their money. So where does that money go? That goes to the states, uh, whoever's sponsoring the lottery. Again, a one-way ticket for the money. You, uh, you spend the money to buy the ticket. You don't make anything. You don't win. And it goes to, the again, the house. In this case, the house being the state. So what you have are two scenarios there where the house always wins and the gambler always loses. Pretty much, not 100% of the time, but pretty much, which is why, in the case of Vegas, why they have all these large, glitzy, massive casinos, and uh, the gamblers have their small little houses and you know used cars and whatever they have because it, it's it's not a fair uh, balance. The brokerage industry is no different; it's exactly the same. You have the gamblers, which are the retail investors coming in, opening accounts, letting letting the brokers guide them in their decision-making, uh, letting the media guide them in their decision-making, which the media is a byproduct of the brokerage firms. Those people, they put their people out there to talk up and hype stocks, indexes, markets in general, whatever the case may be. So again, it's exactly like Vegas. The retail investor are the gamblers, and the brokerage houses are the casinos or the house. So what I learned when I was taking this class was exactly that. I thought, wow, doing things this way, that totally makes the firms the house. And it makes the retail people that I've been dealing with all that time as a, as a broker, there's not a chance in the world that they're ever really going to make any money playing this game because the, the odds are so stacked against them. And at that point, 
I realized that, okay, this is where I've been wanting to be. This is where I need to be. This is where this secret to uh, making the market work for you lies. So I took the class. Uh, and from there, back into the trading room I went and uh, started doing what I was taught to do, which the magic word is selling options. That's what we did in the department that I was in. We sold options. And the way we sold them is what we're going to get into here now and uh, and over the upcoming weeks. And uh, to do that, though, the first thing that I have to do is to teach you the basics, because I cannot assume that all of you know what options are. And if you do know what options are, I can't assume that you know all the little intricate details of the, of the options. So in order to set a good foundation for what we're going to cover in upcoming weeks, we have to go back to the beginning and talk about all the basics of options, even though I, I know for some of you that may be boring, but we need to go through this in order to make sure, like I said, that we have a, a good foundation for everybody so that we all can go forward on, on a level footing and, uh, and learn how all of this works and how you can really profit doing it the way that I was taught, which was the way the firm's uh, insist on you doing it, which is why the firms make so much money and uh, why the retail public does not. Uh, so, uh, actually, I want, let me throw one more thing in there. Uh, and I mentioned this, I think, also in the first episode, that there was a few years ago, there was that uh, that big uh, investment uh, scandal that, that uh, came to light. I think it was called the whale, something to do with the whale. It was, I think it was uh, Morgan Stanley or Goldman Sachs, one of the two. And it, it took place in uh, in London, and th they were investigated. They were fined. I think it was one point something billion dollar fine. And I have the letter. Uh, I, I saved it, the article, uh, when I first saw it a couple years ago. And in that letter, uh, it states that Goldman or whatever whichever firm it was, I don't remember which one it was for sure. Uh, I'd have to look the letter up. Said, uh, just agreed to pay the fine. They said, no no big deal. I will pay the fine. And as it turned out, that um, that large amount of money was purely a week or two of trading for the firm. So that gives you an idea how much money the firm brings in trading their own money that they can just, not without even blinking an eye, pay a fine of that size and not worry about it. And do you ever think that, the, that their retail clients make that much money in a week or two? Not a chance. Uh, and also another example is, as you know, with the financial crisis, think about it. And, and we all know this is true. This is a fact. Movies have been made about it and everything else. That they were betting, that they were telling their clients to get into one uh, instrument, the, 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 the debt vehicles. Uh, and at the same time, they were betting against them. So they were betting against, the firms were betting against what they were telling their clients to buy. So again, think about how opposed dynamically opposed those two things scenarios are so uh, why would you want to be guided by a firm that is bidding against the, the thing they're trying to put you into so anyway uh enough of that history uh it's up for a break now let's take our break come back and we'll start in learning about options here's another look into the world of trading Hey traders, want to jumpstart your trading? Well, I would assume that since you're listening to this podcast that your answer would be yes. 
And as they said in The Godfather, what if we made you an offer you can't refuse? And that's exactly what we're going to do. How would you like it if we gave you all the trades we make in our own accounts in real time so you could trade right along with us and profit as we do? And what if we met once a week for an hour to discuss our current trades, any other trades you may have open, plus discuss any problems you may be having in general with your trading? And that's one full hour of group coaching each week. Also, what if we threw in an additional one half hour of private one-on-one -on -one coaching each month to privately work on issues you may be having with your trading. It could be things you didn't feel like sharing in the group sessions. Also, what if we threw in a weekly end-of-week market review analyzing the past week's market and what to look forward to for the upcoming trading week? That will be delivered to your inbox every Friday after market close. And what if we threw in a free copy of our latest book, Reprogramming the Trader's Mindset, to help you get your trading emotions of fear and greed back in control? And what if we also sent you our monthly newsletter packed with trading tips and upcoming market events? That would be very useful, I'm sure. And to cap it all off, what if we gave you a 30% discount on all of our live three-day trading seminars? So altogether, this adds up to $1,269 in monthly value, plus another $1,680 in course discounts to use whenever you like. And if you think all this sounds good, then you must realize that this is a very powerful addition to your trading business. And as with any business, in the beginning, you will need a mentor or support team to help your business grow and to keep you on track to achieve your maximum trading potential. So the small cost to this extensive package is only $49 per month. And of course, you can cancel at any time, but since you will be making far more than the cost of the program by just copying our trades, we doubt you're gonna to wanna to cancel. So don't wait any longer. Sign up today. Go to tradersacademy.org. Again, that's www.tradersacademy.org. And do it soon because memberships are limited. And it's our promise to you that if you copy all of our trades and you don't make at least double the first month what you paid, we'll gladly refund your subscription payment. So join us and together let's make some money. Okay, we're back, and as I said before the break, now we're going to get into the uh, the fundamentals and basics of options, so that you can have a, a decent foundation as we get into the actual strategies and how to trade them and uh, how all that works. So I like to start off. Let's call this section introducing uh, options, and more specifically, calls and puts. And over the next, at least the rest of this. Uh, episode and probably maybe next week too. Some of the topics we're going to cover first are what are options. And number two, the buyers have rights, sellers have obligations. And number three, who are the participants in the option market? And then we're going to talk about why would you want to do a call or why would you want to use a put? Then we're going to talk a bit about probability and how it's our friend. And then we're going to cover some key option terms. So to begin, what are options? So there are only really two types of options, and I mentioned them already, calls and puts. And you can achieve everything you want on an investment basis with options, just as you would with any stock. So every position that's built using options is composed of either all calls, all puts, or a combination of both of them. 
Now, the professional traders treat options differently in a way that, the way that they use them. They are the sellers of options, not the buyers. And that's going to be the main theme of this entire series of uh, episodes that we're going to be coming up with here. So what are call and put options? Options are just another form of investment that can be bought or sold just like any stock. And they are referred to as derivative investments because their value is derived from other sources. In other words, the underlying uh, vehicle for the option. So in this case, uh, we're going to be talking about, first off, we're going to be dealing with options on the SPX index. So the underlying would be the SPX index in that case. So the main reason that I can't talk, the main reason investors buy options is to gain leverage and reduce the amount of capital needed to take a position in a security. So through the use of options, you can take directional positions in the underlying security for a fraction of the required capital. Now let me point out one thing here in that last sentence, for a fraction of the required capital. Brokerage firms are very smart at how, what they do and how they market and how they uh, market to, who they market to and and in what way. And if you go back to when options first appeared in the brokerage world, the brokerage houses industry, or whatever you want to call it, realized that okay, we have this large base of uh, of investors out there, people that want to come in put up some cash, buy X number of shares of stock, sit on the stock because they believe in the company or the fundamentals of the company. They want to do it as an investment, and and that's all fine, which in my opinion is how it should be. Uh, but the brokerage industry realized that there's another very large group of people out there, and these are the gamblers. These are the people that like to go to, again, Vegas, Atlantic City, put money in a, in a machine, put some money down on the table, put a little bit of money down with the hopes of sh getting lucky, getting all cherries on the slot machine or whatever the case may be, and win big. So in other words, they want to put down a little bit of money for the hope that they might win something grand at the end. Same with lottery tickets, right? People spend a dollar, two dollars to buy a lottery ticket, hoping to win thousands if not millions of dollars when the numbers are called. So again, putting down a little bit of money with the hopes of making a large sum at the end. So the brokerage houses came up with the idea of, okay, well, there's a lot of people out there that do not want to buy shares of stock. They don't want to pay the price of a, a share of stock. And like, think of it nowadays, you know, with stocks up into thousands of dollars a share, if you want to go up to, to the, you know, top tier. Uh, so these people want to put down pennies on the dollar for the chance of getting lucky and making a good profit at the end. So, hence, options showed up. So, again, as that last uh, thing I said there, through the use of options, you can take a directional position in the underlying security for a fraction of the required capital, which, hey, this is something that is perfectly suited for the gamblers out there. And that is why options showed up. And that is, is who they target what I was doing in, in, the, in the department I was in and in the rest of the traders there, that is who they are targeting. They are targeting the gamblers. So anyway, a little history there. So now, let's cover buyers have rights, sellers have obligations. Buyers being the gamblers, sellers being the house. 
So when you're the, a buyer of an option, you have the right to control. Each option controls 100 shares of the underlying stock or index or whatever it is. So each option controls 100 shares. In the case of a call option, you have the right to purchase the underlying stock at a certain price for a defined period of time. And that is a critical fact uh, that you have to remember. Options only exist for a certain period of time, then they expire and they are gone. So you may be taking a position for a fraction of the cost of the stock, but you're on a time clock when you do that. And then to continue here, in the case of a put option, you have just the opposite. You have the right to sell the underlying stock at a certain price, again, for a defined period of time. And that's, that's key. Remember, options are going to expire at a certain period down the road. So when you are a seller of an option, you have the obligation to be on the other side of the deal for the option buyer. So in other words, the house takes the opposite side of the gambler, just like Vegas. So in the case of a call option, you have the obligation to sell the underlying stock at a certain price for a defined period of time. And in the case of the put option, you have just the opposite. You have the obligation to purchase the underlying stock for a certain price for a defined period of time. So let's cover that again. As a buyer, you have the right to control, and everything controls 100 shares of the stock. So in the case of the call option, if you are the buyer, you have the right to purchase the underlying stock at a certain price for a defined period of time. And if you're a buyer of a put option, you have the opposite. You have the right to sell the underlying stock at a certain price for a defined period of time. Whereas if you are <coughs> the seller of a, a call option, you have the obligation to sell the underlying stock for a certain price for a defined period of time. And in the, in the case of a put option, you have just the opposite. You have the obligation to purchase the underlying stock at a certain price for a defined period of time. So the difference between the buyers and the sellers is opposite. <clears throat> so who are the participants in the option market? So there are basically four types of participants in the option market, depending on the positions they take. You can either be a buyer of calls, or you can be a seller of calls. And you can either be a buyer of puts, or you can be a seller of puts. But you have to be one of those four, nothing else. There is nothing else to be. People who buy options are called holders, and those who sell options are called writers. So if you buy an option, you're a buyer or option holder. If you sell options, you're an option writer. Furthermore, buyers are said to have long positions, and sellers are said to have short positions. So once again, here are the important distinctions between buyers and sellers. Call holders and put holders, or in other words, the buyers, are obligated to buy or sell. They have the, the choice to exercise their rights if they choose. It's up to them. On the other hand, the call writers or put writers, which are also the sellers, are obligated to buy or sell. And this means that the seller may be required to make good on a promise to buy or sell. In other words, they're taking the opposite side of the buyers. So the buyers have the right to exercise their options if they want. The sellers have an obligation to fulfill the options if they want. So the sellers are the, are the fulfillers of the option buyers. Very important distinction. So at this point, that's about as far as I think that we can get today. Uh, I, just, I just want to emphasize how important this is uh, as, as an investment vehicle. And you may 
have heard from other people from different sources that options are some of the most risky things in the stock market that you can do you'll hear stories about people who spent money buying options and they lost everything that they that they spent uh, that is true and there's by that's by design not by chance so keep in mind that these things were designed and I told you before a little bit ago that they have an expiration date they only last for so long and then they expire so you have time working against you so you're taking a bet when you buy an option on it on whatever the underlying stock is that it will do a certain thing uh, in this most times it's going up but uh, you take a bet that it will do that but at the same time you have it, it not, it doesn't just have to go up in that case it has to go up in a specific period of time so if it doesn't go up to that point within that specific period of time and the option expires you lose your money so they the brokerage industry is smart they, they know how to do things so typically option buyers being gamblers uh, want to spend as little as possible so they end up buying the cheapest options out there that they can find hoping that they get lucky and the underlying moves up and uh, they get to make some profit off the small amount that they put into the option and what that's called is gambling because I also pointed out before and I'll do it again that nobody it doesn't matter who it is or no program no person no index nothing knows where anything is going to be by the end of the day tomorrow next week next month next year nobody knows it, it, it uh, you can have indications of where it might go but nobody knows for sure so these gamblers are taking bets on the direction of the underlying and they have no idea where it's really going to go all they do know is that they, it has to do it in a certain period of time or the game is over and they have to buy more options or not at all or whatever the case may be so that's the gambling side of of the options is trying to buy put a little bit of money down and hope that the underlying goes in a certain direction whereas where does that money go well that money that they put down that they spend goes to the house and the house knows that there's a extremely high degree of, of probability that the options are going to expire worthless and the house is going to keep all the money and that is the game that I am going to teach you in coming weeks and months. So we're getting very close to the end at this point. So what I would like to ask you to do, encourage you to do, is go to our website tradersacademy.org where we have a really nice uh, offer for you guys. Uh, it's a very extensive support package for anything, anybody, either from beginning all the way up through actually uh, more advanced students. Uh, it's a very great program, uh, so I encourage you to go there, check that out. Uh, also, get yourself a free copy of our, our book, Reprogramming the Trader's Mindset. Anyway, I, I strongly suggest that you uh, that you check that out. Uh, the book is free. Uh, so anyway, that's tradersacademy.org, and uh, and let me know what you think. Other than that, I think that's a good start for this week. And next week, we're going to start getting even deeper into options, how they work, and how you can use them to really profit. Uh, so looking forward to that. So that's it for today, and we'll see you next week. Thanks. Thanks.